failure of drug war is glaringly obvious to judges, cops, wardens, prosecutors, and millions more now calling for decriminalization, legalization, the end of prohibition. Let us investigate the century of lies. Okay, welcome to this changing of the year edition of Century of Lies. I am the Reverend Dean Becker. I'll be your host. I'm also a spokesman for law enforcement against prohibition. We're on the web at leap.cc. On Christmas Eve, I had a letter to the editor published in the Houston Chronicle titled Jihad Against Users, and I'll read that to you at the end of our program. We're joined on this edition by Mr. Phil Smith, who's going to give us the 10 best and the 10 worst uh, situations regarding the drug war for the year 2006. You're, you know who Phil is. He does the corrupt cop story for us most weeks on the cultural baggage program. But I want to kick things off with a story from the Dallas Morning News that shows just how corrupt and devious these drug warriors are. Quote, after nearly a decade of experience eradicating illicit drug crops in Colombia for the State Department, DynCorp has won a new contract that could earn the company more than $2.1 billion over the next 10 years and will include operations in Afghanistan, the world's biggest producer of opium. Mark Grossman, a Clinton administration undersecretary of state who helped initiate a $4 billion counter-narcotics effort known as Plan Colombia, said DynCorp's eradication operation was well worth the taxpayers' money. He now serves with General Barry McCaffrey on DynCorp's board of directors, end quote. It should be noted that General Barry McCaffrey was the drug czar who selected DynCorp to uh, do these interdiction efforts on behalf of the United States, and now he's getting a big fat paycheck on their board of directors. All right, let's go to our interview now with Phil Smith. You long-time listeners to the Drug Truth Network are going to be familiar with uh, the voice of our guest for this, this program. Uh, you hear his corrupt cop stories nearly every week, and uh, he reports for the uh, DRC Net folks and uh, helps put together the Drug War Chronicle, I think is the world's leading uh, uh, online publication. And I want to welcome to the program Mr. Phil Smith. Hello, Phil. Hi, Dean. How are you? Phil, you uh, took the time to look back on the year 2006 and to uh, put together a top ten best of and worst of, if you will. Let's start with the best of, if you'd kind of summarize that for us. Sure. It was uh, sort of good news, bad news year. I guess we'll start with the good news before it gets grim at the end of this segment. I reviewed all the stories I wrote over the course of the year. That's uh, about 500 stories I crank out every year. And because... Uh, Frankly, it's hard to keep up with everything that goes on in drug policy reform. Uh, but as I reviewed, there were ten stories that really stuck out. And I'm gonna, what I'm going to do is briefly tell you what each one is, and then Dean and I will discuss them for a few minutes before we move on to the, uh, the worst of the year. Uh, the top ten uh, best things that happened in drug reform in 2006, and these are in no particular order. That would have been too, subject, too subjective to try to do. But number one, marijuana possession stays legal in Alaska. The, uh, the courts overturned the legislature and Governor Murkowski's effort to uh, recriminalize it. So Alaska remains the only state in the country where it's legal to possess marijuana in your own home. Uh, number two, uh, local initiatives making marijuana the lowest law enforcement priority win across the board. 
uh, in three cities in California, as well as Missoula, Montana, and Eureka Springs, Arkansas. Um, this is a phenomenon with some momentum. Number three, Rhode Island becomes the 11th state to approve medical marijuana, and the third to do so via the legislative process, and they overrode a veto by the governor to do it. Number four, the Higher Education Act drug provision is partially rolled back. This was the uh, smoke a joint lose your student loan law sponsored by uh, Re Representative Mark Souter of Indiana. Uh, in the face of rising opposition, he agreed to uh, partially reform the bill by making it apply only to students who are currently in school and receiving financial aid, as opposed to previously when if you had ever been busted, you could lose your loan. Number five, New Jersey passes a needle exchange bill. That just happened a couple of weeks ago. You know, it took a 13-year struggle. Now every state in the country has some form of access to, to needles for hard drug users. Number six, the U.S. Supreme Court upholds the right of American adherents of the Brazil-based Church of the Union of the Vegetable to use a psychedelic tea, that's ayahuasca, containing a controlled substance in religious ceremonies. This was a ruling where the Religious Freedom Restoration Act trumped the Controlled Substances Act. We may see some pot cases come out of that. Number seven, the Vancouver Safe Injection Site wins a new, if limited, lease on life. It had to be re-approved re after three years, and it faced a hostile conservative administration in Ottawa. They only gave it one year, but the fact that it's still kicking and the conservatives will probably go down makes this good news. Number eight, the election of Evo Morales brings coca peace to Bolivia. He's the former coca growers union leader, now president of the country. Uh, it's not all perfect there yet, but it's, uh, he's working with the coca growers, and uh, the U.S. Embassy is actually staying pretty quiet. Number nine, this one's important too, Brazil stops imprisoning drug users. This is under a new drug law signed by President uh, Lula da Silva. Now the drug users will no longer be arrested, but they will be subject to some administrative sanctions. It, you know, it's still treatment, not jail. It keeps them uh, under the therapeutic thumb of the state, but it also keeps them out of prison. And uh, last but not least, Italy reverses tough marijuana laws. The former government of Premier Silvio Berlusconi, has, as one of its parting gifts, toughened the pot laws. The new government is undoing that. And uh, that's the top ten good things that I could think of in 2006. I think it's a, it's a good, strong list, Phil. I, I want to back up uh, to number six, the ayahuasca ruling. Right. Eight, eight to nothing by the U.S. Supreme Court in favor of that church using the ayahuasca tea. Uh, you referenced there will perhaps be some pot cases uh, following in those footsteps. I'm aware of a, a couple of cases. Eddie Lepp and his wife, Linda, are, right. are trying to do that. Uh, I know that uh, eight to nothing to approve this potentially dangerous drug would tend to indicate they would uh, lend a kind eye to uh, the marijuana challenge. What's your thought? Well, I think it's going to take the right uh, plaintiff. Uh, there was a case that was just decided last week in... I think it was the Ninth Circuit. I may be wrong on that. It was acquaintances from Arizona who had a marijuana spirituality church and were busted and tried to raise that defense and uh, were shot down by the appeals court that said they didn't think their religious beliefs were past the test of sincerity. So I'm thinking perhaps uh, the only guy who's going to win a case like this might have to be a Jamaican-American Rastafarian 
where he comes out of a religion with a long tradition that it may not be as uh, mainstream as the Protestants or the Catholics, but uh, um, maybe he has a little bit more credibility than people like our friend Mr. Leff or the acquaintances in Arizona. The uh, other uh, number on the list that uh, also caught my attention is number seven, uh, dealing with uh, Vancouver's safe injection site. It's been shown that for the most part, people who can safely inject these drugs are, uh, and, and especially those who are given access to the drugs uh, without having to go to the black market, tend to quit their life of crime, tend to become more productive citizens. Your thoughts there? Oh, uh, they've done lots and lots of research on what's happened with the people at Insight, and all the research is coming out good. They're showing no increases in criminality, no increases in public drug use. Uh, they are showing people who survived overdoses that they probably would not have survived if they were doing it in a back alley somewhere. They are getting people going into treatment, and they're getting people in touch with the uh, public services in Vancouver. Uh, it's been quite effective. Uh, the Harper government doesn't really have any arguments against it, except that that it encourages drug use somehow, but it, they can't show that. The, the research doesn't show that. Uh, the Harper government's uh, objections are largely ideological, and, and science is on, on the side of the safe injection site. Hopefully, the Harper government will fall within within the next few months, and perhaps not only will Vancouver be extended, but uh, the sites will be expanded to Montreal and Toronto, as was originally envisioned. All right, and I, I think in order to uh, get to our worst of times list, let's go ahead and, and get that summary now, if you will. Well, well, we made progress on some fronts in 2006. Uh, in many, many ways, it's the same old drug war. And so my bottom ten, I guess you would call it, number one, the drug war continues unabated on the streets of America. We've got more prisoners, more drug prisoners, more drug arrests, more marijuana arrests, more people on prison, uh, on probation or parole or in prison or, or jail than ever before. You know, I write these stories every damned year. I'm getting pretty tired of writing this story. Uh, but it just keeps on going, despite all the reforms that little victories we win at the margins. And the drug war machine is, just grinds on. Sorry, I got carried away there. <laughs> um, number two, and part of the reason it grinds on, methamphetamine hysteria continues unabated and becomes an excuse for old-school repressive drug laws and bad newfangled ones. I mean, you see it in all kinds of ways all over the country from defining meth use as child abuse to uh, even in Michigan, they banned meth recipes on the Internet, though how they're ever going to prosecute that, I don't know. In Arizona, also, this was ugly. Voters rolled back a, a decade-old sentencing reform that didn't allow judges to sentence drug offenders, first- and second-time drug offenders to prison. Now they've made an exception for meth users. So that's more bad news. Uh, number three, the U.S. Supreme Court upholds unannounced police searches. They basically legalized no-knock searches uh, in a ruling this summer. Those searches are dangerous. They result in dead cops. They result in dead citizens, including that uh, senior citizen, Katherine Johnston, down in um, Atlanta last month. So that was number three. Number four, we lose the marijuana initiatives, the legalization initiatives in Colorado and Nevada. Number five, we lose the South Dakota Medical Marijuana Initiative. And number six, California's medical marijuana movement is under sustained attack from the feds as well as from recalcitrant local officials and law enforcement officers in some areas. 
There's hardly been a week without a raid by the feds. San Diego's been very hard hit. There are restrictions popping up in different counties and municipalities. Uh, it's a real ongoing struggle there 10 years after they thought they legalized it. Number seven, we've got hundreds of people dying from overdoses of heroin cut with fentanyl. That's a powerful synthetic opiate. And the official response is almost non-existent except uh, to send out the cops to bust a few more people. And that's, that's we wrote about this in June, but it's still going on. Uh, number eight, Plan Columbia continues to roll along. We spent several billion dollars there now, sprayed hundreds of thousands of acres of fields, damaging ecological zones, causing problems for humans and livestock and fish. And uh, the country is cranking out about as much coca and cocaine as it was when we started. Only a lot more people are dead and a lot more U.S. dollars are down the rat hole. Number nine, Afghanistan. Well on its way to becoming a, a true narco state. Uh, everyone's getting rich off the opium trade. If we try to mess with it, we drive people into the hands of the Taliban. It's a real mess, and there's no good solutions that anyone wants to embrace. Sensible proposals like diverting part of the crop to the legitimate medicinal market uh, have no chance of ever happening for political reasons. And last, number 10, poor Australia. They are in the grips of some serious reefer madness. This is a country where some states had rolled back repressive laws in the last few years, but now there's a countervailing movement underway. And they believe some really wacky stuff, like marijuana grown hydroponically is somehow more dangerous than pot grown in soil. And they also have a health minister who does things like announce that marijuana is more dangerous than heroin. Last week he wanted to ban bongs, and so it goes for Australia in 2006. Let's hope for a better year for them next year. And that's the bottom ten. Well, there are several here I'd like to address. Uh, the, the one I, I want to start with, uh, what number was it, methamphetamine? Uh, that's such a, a crock, I, for lack of a better term. I used uh, methamphetamine myself for several years. I quit on my own without the help of law enforcement or even the medical community. It is not so addictive that a person can never break free of it. Your thoughts on that? Well, my experience, my personal experience was similar to yours, Dean. I used it for some time. I quit back in the 70s. I just walked away and never looked back. But it, there, there is no denying that it has some negative effects on people sometimes. And... That allows politicians and law enforcement types and moral entrepreneurs to use it as what I like to call the demon drug du jour. We've always got to have some bad, some drug that's so bad, it's, you know, it's worse, it's the new crack, it's the new heroin, um, and meth is it this time. I mean, I find it kind of ironic that it, it's now a crisis when the stuff has been around for, I don't know, 70 or 80 years, I guess, and there were you know, there were truckers tweaking on it in Tulsa back in the 60s. Housewives eating that stuff as diet pills in the 50s and 60s. It's uh, it's bad news. It's bad news for the cause of drug reform because you know, every sensible thing we want to say about drug reform gets washed away in the hysteria about this drug that's so bad that we've got to do something different, something worse, usually. Uh, your reference to the failure of the uh, marijuana legalization efforts in Colorado and in Nevada. 
uh, I think we can find a positive in there that they uh, did actually win, what was it, 44 and 41 percent of the voters were for legalization? They got very impressive turnouts. That's true. And hopefully one of these years soon we're actually going to win one, but we didn't win. Well, that's true enough. And uh, uh, California's medical marijuana movement is making great progress in many ways, but then again, uh, backsliding, uh, mostly done by local municipal politicians trying to uh, look tough on drugs. Is that a fair assumption? I think so. And well, also, don't, don't forget the feds. Uh, the, the feds just refuse to recognize medical marijuana, though it's odd they seem to implicitly recognize it by trying to portray every club they raid as somehow not a legitimate medical marijuana club, that they're just marijuana vendors. Still, they're going after the clubs and the dispensaries on a, on a fairly systematic basis. It's not like massive raids, but it's chipping away. One here this week, four in San Diego the next week, couple in the Central Valley the week after that or two weeks after that. Uh, you know, part, of the prob- part of the problem is the feds, yes, but part of the problem is also the way the law was written. It was, a, it was the first medical marijuana initiative, and I guess you live and learn. It's, this has all kinds of ambiguities in, in it, and it makes, what it does is make this an issue at just about every county level and just about every municipality has to deal with this. You don't have a, a statewide system. You have this, this patchwork of counties and cities with different rules and regulations and limits on how much you can grow and things like that. It's a real, it's a real confusing mess, but I guess that isn't as much of a threat really as the attitude of the federal government. That's why it would be important to see some progress on things like Hinchy Rohrabacher, which would bar the feds from spending money to prosecute medical marijuana patients and providers in states where it's legal. If I can dig one more positive out of these uh, worst ofs, okay. uh, perhaps it's the fact that rather than uh, U.S. tax dollars having to be sent to Afghanistan to support that economy, there are some three million Afghanis growing opium now, making a living. Your thought? Well, they are making a living. Uh, we are spending money trying to prevent them from doing from making a living growing poppies. Ironically, we could probably buy up their entire harvest with the amount we're spending each year trying to trying uh, uh, without success to uh, to repress it. I mean, this year is their largest ever. They got six thousand, more than six thousand tons of um, of opium. It's showing up on our west coast now. It's uh, it's doubled its proportion of uh, it's. Doubled its market share in the U.S. from 7% to 14%. The DEA is now reporting in the last year. And it's cheap, and it's good. Uh, I guess if you're a heroin user, that's a good thing. Oh, another positive, I guess. Oh. <laughs> um, and, and then if I, want, I, I wanted to uh, contribute one more uh, to the top ten good side here. And that is, uh, it was reported just, I guess, uh, 10 days ago or so, that the United States' uh, number one crop is now marijuana. Your thought? Well, we've been, he- we've been hearing those kinds of uh, ideas bandied about for a few years now. Um, and John Getman you know, crunched the numbers using official government statistics. Yeah, and it's a huge, huge crop. And one thing, I, I spoke with Getman about this for, for a story I wrote about it. And one thing he pointed out was that all of the every law enforcement effort seemingly designed to suppress marijuana growing 
just seemed to make it spread out even more and cause new innovations. Uh, you know, everything from the move to indoor growing when they started flying helicopters and planes around looking for outdoor crops to the move into national parks and the geographical dispersion of marijuana growing from uh, a few enclaves on the West Coast and in Appalachia to now every state in the country. You know, this stuff is part of our national fabric. It's not going away. It's way past time that we recognize this and had reasonable regulation of marijuana. And, man, they better, whatever law they make, they better include my right to grow my own at home, like homebrew beer. Well, I guess with that thought, we'll kind of close the book on the year 2006. But uh, I know that DRC Net and uh, Stop the Drug War has uh, many good plans for the coming new year. Um, once again, your, your website is drcnet.org, or they can reach you through stopthedrugwar.org. Uh, Phil, what, what do you see for the, the coming year? Well, we have a Democratic Congress. I'm looking for some reforms on the margins. Uh, you know, Can we get Congress to pass Hinchy-Rohrabacher? Or another very important issue is sentencing reform. Uh, I think Representative Conyers, who's going to ha head the House Judiciary Committee, is going to take a look at that. He's been a strong proponent of it in the past. Is The question is, is he going to use his political capital uh, to fight for that? We'll see. I, you know, I've given the performance of the Democrats in the past, especially in the drug war. I don't uh, hold out really high hopes for them, but there are enough of them that have made noises about some changes in our drug policies that I'm... I will be disappointed if we don't see something happen at the federal level this year, uh, probably on sentencing reform, uh, maybe further HEA reform, uh, you know, repeal it altogether. That's the Higher Education Act drug provision, uh, and possibly something on, on medical marijuana. I'd like to see uh, a legalized marijuana bill introduced and moving, get hearings. Uh, that could be uh, just a pipe dream, though. Well, all right, sir. With that, uh, I want to thank you for this uh, top ten best of and low ten worst of, I guess, uh, from DRC Net. Mr. Phil Smith, thank you so much. Thank you very much, Dean. Howard Wooldred spent more than a decade working as a law enforcement officer, and he was one of the founding members of Law Enforcement Against Prohibition. They're on the web at leap.cc, and he now works as an education specialist for LEAP in the halls of Congress in Washington, D.C. Howard Wooldridge here from uh, LEAP, Law Enforcement Against Prohibition, uh, stationed in Washington, D.C., where I represent LEAP on Capitol Hill. Had a couple of interesting contacts last week. Uh, one that might interest your, your listeners it was uh, a staffer told me, I just did not understand how Washington works. And I'll be the first to admit it's a long ways from the uh, uh, the, the uh, plains of Texas to uh, Washington, D.C. for this cowboy. The staffer said, uh, Washington runs on pork. And your idea, for example, of treatment versus incarceration uh, my district has lots of federal uh, prisons, and without those prisons, uh, there'd be lost thousands and thousands of high-paying federal jobs. So, what can you do? Uh, and I agree with you, by the way, that it, you know, treatment versus incarceration makes sense. But I need to replace those thousands of jobs. So, would you be able to steer uh, some money for treatment my way, or turn those prisons into treatment centers? Uh, 
because otherwise we simply cannot support uh, losing thousands of good jobs in my in my district. And uh, that's kind of a, an example of sometimes of the mentality I run into on Capitol Hill. It's a little bit easier when there aren't that many federal prisons uh, in a district, but uh, certainly that's a that's a uh, an example of how Washington works. And as you know, uh, earmarks, which is another word for federal pork, uh, ran rampant for the last six years in Washington, D.C., and and uh, you'll have to wait and see whether Democrats are any better. I uh, did take this week off from Capitol Hill. Most everybody's on vacation. Uh, been translating parts of the web, the uh, LEAP website into French, German, and Spanish, and hopefully you'll see those things up on the website shortly. And from Washington, D.C., Howard Woldridge, uh, your cowboy in Congress. Law enforcement against prohibition. These men and women have served in the trenches of the drug war as prosecutors, judges, cops, guards, and wardens. They have seen firsthand the utter futility of our policy and now work together to end drug prohibition. Please visit leap.cc. And now that letter to the editor I had published in the Houston Chronicle on Christmas Eve. I want to make note of the fact that they included a little graphic that showed uh, people crammed into a jail cell with kind of a sardine can lid over the top of them, if you know what I mean. But here it is, a jihad on users. The December 19th Chronicle article, Houston's rise in violent crime outpaces the U.S., said that, quote, violent crime in Houston increased at nearly twice the national level, end quote. Certain deductions about this near doubling of violent crime in Houston are obvious. Houston and Harris County lead the world in the incarceration of our citizenry, mostly for drug charges, minor amounts, empty bags, empty pipes, or for failing a urine test for drugs. Our jails are so overcrowded that prisoners sleep underneath bunks and next to toilets, and we are contemplating building additional jails to house more drug users. Our jails and prisons are so swamped with drug prisoners that we find it necessary to provide early release to violent criminals to make room for these minor drug offenders. Many cities and states around this nation, even within Texas, have found it necessary to ease back on sentencing drug users. They have found it necessary and prudent to cease the arrest and sentencing of those found with empty bags, pipes, and minor amounts of drugs. Harris County District Attorney Chuck Rosenthal says, quote, when the only tool you have to work with is a hammer, everything begins to look like a nail, end quote. Police Chief Harold Hurt, a black man, seems indifferent to the fact that Houston arrests blacks at a rate significantly higher than that of South Africa under apartheid. Houston and Harris County lead the world in the incarceration of our own people, and yet we seek to build more jails to send more people to prison for longer periods of time for minor amounts of drugs. At some point, for moral reasons, for fiscal reasons, we will have to back down from our jihad against drug users. Perhaps then, our police force can focus its attentions on violent criminals and will have plenty of prison beds available so the predator types can serve their full sentence. Dean Becker, spokesman, law enforcement against prohibition, Houston. One last story to close out the program. From the folks at VoteHemp.com comes this story. Billions of wild, drug-free hemp plants eradicated by DEA in effort to confiscate cultivated marijuana since 1984. 
According to the U.S. Drug Enforcement Administration's data, it has funded the destruction of 4.7 billion non-psychoactive industrial hemp plants, also called ditchweed, since 1984. This massive annual eradication effort stands in sharp contrast to farmers across the globe that continue to legally produce industrial hemp for export to the United States. According to data collected by the DEA's Domestic Cannabis Eradication Suppression Program, 218.6 million ditchweed plants were eradicated in 2005 versus only 4.2 million marijuana plants nationwide. This means that 98.1% of all cannabis plants eradicated in 2005 were actually the non-drug variety of cannabis, otherwise known as industrial hemp. It's obvious how frail the logic of this drug war is, so once again I remind you there is no truth, justice, logic, scientific fact, or medical data to support this drug war. It is a sham. We've been duped. The drug lords run both sides of this equation. Prohibido is stock. Ivalesco. For the Drug Truth Network, this is Dean Becker asking you to examine our policy of drug prohibition. The Century of Lies. The show produced at the Pacifica Studios of KPFT, Houston. Our engineer, Philip Duffy.